Marvel has officially begun Phase 5. Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumania is out. And this is our review. Kale, you look like you have words. You, uh, you okay? We haven't started the review yet. <laughs> all right, every time, all right. Every time, every time we do uh, a review show, I always think of the show review, and I always want to go. Andy Daly? But it is, but is it any good? <laughs> well, that's the question we're here to answer today. Uh, we are going to be discussing Ant Man and the, and the Wasp: Quantumania. This is going to be full spoilers. Uh, we're going to talk about absolutely everything from stem to stern. So if you haven't watched it, you're definitely going to want to uh, watch it and then come back and listen to us. Or if you don't care about spoilers, that's cool, too. We're happy to have you. And for this one, um, might as well just listen to this. <laughs> oh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, So before we get into that, real quick. We are the Comics Pals. Every single week, we go live twice a week to talk about comics. Thursdays at 6 p.m. right here on, on YouTube, if, we're, if you're watching this on YouTube. We also go live on Twitch. Uh, and then that's our review show for comics called Pals Pulls. Saturdays, we are live every single week for the main show at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. We're talking all manner of comic book and superhero movie and TV show goodness. This week, we actually discussed the future of Marvel Studios with the release of Ant-Man and uh, where things are headed. And they're headed uh, in a direction that's going to cost Disney a lot less. We'll say that. Uh, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecomicspals. For as little as $3 a month, you can support your boys and you get access to some pretty cool content. Uh, join us on Discord. There's a link to it in the description of this very uh video or audio that you are currently engaging with and for everything else at the comics pals so the way we normally start these is we do a uh, a little bit of a game where we're going to be guessing the rotten tomatoes tomato meter score which is the critic score and the audience score now i already know the answer to both of these kale and tyler don't so they're going to guess and Price is right rules. Whoever's the closest without going over wins the no prize. Who wants to uh, start us off? I'll go first. Uh, so the the critic score has been on and the headlines lately. So yeah, yeah I, saw I don't that. know yeah, it I've for sure, well. but I know at least the general vicinity. It ain't good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say 58. Okay. Uh, no, I'm going to say 53. 53. Um, mm. Yeah. Audience score. I have no idea, honestly. Um, I don't, this might be one of the harder audience scores to do. Um, 70, I'm going to say 70. Okay. I'm going to price is right. Tyler, I'm going to say 55 for critics and I'm going to say, I'm going to say 75 for audience. Hmm, fuck. I should one second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with 294 critics reviews and over 2500 audience score uh ratings we're at a 48% tomato oh. meter both went over okay. but the exact flip for audience 84% 
Audiences, audiences don't know what's good for them. Man, for real. We should get rid of audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. We should get rid of audiences. I agree, yeah. Nobody should watch any, any kind of film. Oh, I just kicked my cat. Oops. Well, uh, I side with the audience. I side with the audience. I thought Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was an awesome movie. I loved it. Fucking I, I will say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Cal, I'm gonna say this is a transformative movie for me. In so much that I'm transforming into Cal. Um, <laughs> uh, um, this Thor: Love and Thunder was the first, uh, the real first crack in the in the system for me with with Marvel movies. Um, this Charles? broke the dam. Uh, I might be out. <laughs> uh, it's. I liked this movie until they went to the quantum realm. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's an Ant Man movie. I love it. It's you great." Even, you didn't even make it five minutes into. The yeah, movie. yeah, I know. Yeah, because <laughs> it started off. I'm like, "Oh yeah, Scott Lang's so fucking charming. I love he's just San Francisco. You know the way he works with people. Oh, this is great. This is what I loved about the Ant Man movies. And then it was no longer an Ant Man movie." Um, and I disliked it because of it. Um, yeah, no, I was, uh, I, I came out of this, especially the second after credit scene being like, what are we doing here? What's going on? Um, and we'll get to when we get to the after credit scenes because I got lots on that. Um, yeah, I was, um, this would be a rotten for me. I have two words in praise of this film okay. and they are michelle and pfeiffer well it's, it's yeah it's, yeah agreed and those are the only good parts about this film <laughs> that's not wholly true i'll get into what i liked about it but i can tell you it was a lot less than you would hope i man i feel like they took the good one and ruined it <laughs> Yeah, the good one being like Ant-Man as a property, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're generally warm to the Ant-Man movies. I think they're mostly forgettable, but I feel like they're – when you watch them, they're fun, especially the first one. I don't yeah. know if the second one holds up. I don't think I've seen it since it came out, but I've accidentally seen the first one a couple of times, and I do enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, but this one, man, this one was just, it's, I don't know. Let's get into it. It's not an Ant-Man movie, but yeah. Well, yeah. All, right, all right. Okay. So, uh, of course there is a lot of weight on the shoulders of the ants, uh, because ants. sorry, I had to get it out of my system now <laughs> Ants. because, uh, this is the this is the big debut of Kang, of course, played by Jonathan Majors. Uh, so we have that going on, uh, and they are finally really delving into the quantum realm, what it is, and they have an adventure there. Um, it's uh, it starts with the family, you know. It starts with you know the ant family, um, and it's funny because you know we see the scene of them at the table eating pizza. And it's very specifically Michelle Pfeiffer's character, of course, Janet Van Dyne, who is, is phenomenal. Pfeiffer. In the movie. Um, 
it's her being the one to bring them the you know the the, the pizza you know and setting the table as it were um and she's in this almost domestic domesticated role uh which is such a counter to her time in the quantum realm and what she was doing there as a freedom fighter um and so they really center her character in a lot of ways in this movie um which i really appreciated about it um but the other person who really is centered here is actually uh ant-man's daughter which is great uh cassie Cassie is a huge piece of this puzzle uh, because she's the one who essentially is the reason why they're in the quantum realm to begin with um because of her machinations and 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 her learning and and stuff like that uh during the time period uh post snap she spent that time learning to be you know a scientist just like her grandpa um and it's it's uh i enjoyed both of those characters quite a bit i don't disagree with you there i i enjoyed cassie um i'm a i'm a cassie fan i'm a big uh young avengers enjoyer uh, Kale, you're 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 with me on that, right? About the second part, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're not a Cassie fan. Not in this film. Shh. Okay, I'm, I'm talking comics, but yeah, okay. Like I like stature, you know, yeah, yeah, Stinger, whatever. Um, I, you know what? I don't. I don't think I like Ant Man in the comics. What comics? I think uh, <laughs> I I even the good ones are supposed to be the Nick Spencer ones. Don't like them. No, oh, fair, fair, but um. I thought, uh, Sean, can you, the actress, uh, Catherine. Yeah, it's uh, Catherine Newton. Newton, yeah. Like, I, I liked her. I thought she was great. Like, I'm, I think all these young Avengers, quote unquote, characters they've been introducing lately, like, I think it's going to be fun when we get to see them all interact. You know, it'll be a fun movie. But um, my issue wasn't with her. Honestly, my issue is not even with the performances, really. I think all the performances are, are, are decent. Um, I think Paul Red might be phoning it in a little bit. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, I thought they're all pretty decent. Uh, I can't in like Michelle Pfeiffer, like they gave her a lot to work with here. Uh, there's a lot of Janet Van Dyne in this. Um, I think she's good. You know, she, she, she gives it all, you know, and she gives that, that good kind of, uh, a little removed, like, like she's a part of this family, but you can tell some, she's not fully in, uh, because she still has one foot, you know, in the quantum realm, really. Um, like PTSD and stuff. So like, I thought that was fine. Um, yeah, I don't have an issue with the performances really. Yeah. And we, you know, we come into the movie and, and Scott Lang is, you know, at his highest of highs. Like he's got this book out. That's really popular, which by the way, is a real book that you can yeah. buy in real life. Um, Do we know if <laughs> the actual words said in the movie are in the book? Gotta be right. Yeah. I would imagine it'd be weird. You if know, they weren't. You know, that book reminded me of Stephen Colbert's book. From uh, the Colbert Report. Oh Did yeah, decent book? book, pretty good book. Oh yeah, it was book. it was pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. when Colbert was was bearable. Yeah, I am yeah. I am America, and so can you. Is what yep. it was. Yep, I worked at the Barnes Noble when I came out. Good, good sell. But everything goes to shit for this uh, oh. fine family. <laughs> as soon as they go into the quantum realm, they get sucked into the quantum realm, uh, and uh, unfortunately for them, they're separated. Ant Man, you know, and uh, and uh, Cassie one way, and then uh, Hope, Janet, and uh, Michael Douglas in the other direction. Um, go ahead, 
kill. And this happens. I mean, <laughs> we said five minutes. That might be a little bit of exaggeration, but it's like eight minutes into the film. Yeah, like not they long. waste no time. You get you get you get Scott chastising uh Cassie for going to jail and then Hey, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. And they get sucked into the quantum realm. <laughs> um, yeah, they don't waste any time because there wasn't a lot of time to waste. This is a movie that is two hours and five minutes, and which is That's a lot all? shorter. Yeah, a lot shorter than the average Marvel movie. And um, they had to do a lot of legwork to explain the quantum realm and the different factions and all the stuff that was going on there. I want to talk about the setting real quick okay. of the, of the quantum realm. What did you guys think about it? It's heavy, heavy CG, probably all CG um, in terms of the way it looks and stuff like that. How did you guys feel about the quantum realm being the setting for this film? Clearly you didn't love it. Well, again, again, I thought there was, I thought the designs were actually good. You know, I, I liked it. It oh. felt like it felt like we were we were in like a perpetual Star Wars cantina. You know, like everywhere you look, there's like a new weird alien sort of looking thing. Um, and all the designs were good. Uh, um, I didn't hate that. You know, like there's buildings that were alive. There's this mm-hmm. you know little blob guy who wants holes that was voiced by the guy who played uh the Polka Polka Dot Dot Man. Man. David yeah. Mastalchian or yeah, who like was that. also in the previous two Ant Man movies. So like his 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 credits exist. Um, right. I thought it was fine, but like. Um, again, still probably not my issue with the movie. I thought it looked, it looked fine. I mean, it's a little too much, you know, like once you're there for the whole movie, it's just like, all right, I'm kind of ready to leave. (laughs) I feel like Janet. It's exhausting. Yeah. I felt like Janet was there for 30 years. What the fuck? Like it's, it's this, we were talking about this on the way out. It's this thing of like, this is probably the worst of this particular crime that marvel has pioneered like (laughs) they want it to be so unique and be so filled with stuff but you don't get to spend any time with it because something as soon as the camera moves you're going to see something completely different and it's just like there's so much all the time it's good and it's all beautiful but eventually especially especially in the parts where like the the rebel camp is like being bombed or whatever you really start to see the seams come off like you can see you can tell that paul rudd and and catherine newton are running against a green screen and yeah Yeah. Yeah, it's just like it's it's cool and for an ant-man film like that setting absolutely makes sense but like the time they clearly want you to spend time with Kang, and so you don't get time to spend uh learning reasons not to like Kang, you know, from from an outsider's perspective hmm. or an insider's perspective. In the sense that in the sense that we don't see him do things that are hateable. Or in the sense of like, like we don't get to emotionally connect to, you know, the little pink guy, Mm. uh, you know, for him to be like a lovable character that we care about. So when he gets 
blown to pieces by a, a laser gun. We give a shit. Man, my theater went nuts for that character. I loved that character. When he when he uh gets shot, my whole theater was like <gasps> and then when he's when he when he's so happy he finally has holes, everybody was cheering and clapping. Ugh. I hate cheering and clapping in movies. <laughs> All right, yeah, I forgot you're one of those. Don't sit next to me at the movie. Um, um Flash is gonna be a miserable Flash. experience for me. Uh no, I'm I'm not I'm not really uh that emotive um but uh at all (laughs) (laughs) as a general rule uh i i like the quantum realm it wasn't as interesting looking as i thought it would be um just because i when i think about that and this is probably not accurate but when i think about it i think of like um like jack kirby in the sense that like there's craziness everywhere and like it's like so colorful and and just just popping and like oh my god your mind is blown by the kind of stuff you're seeing and it wasn't quite that um it didn't feel like a civilization that could only exist not on like that could only exist if it wasn't on earth it felt like an extension of earth not something different like a different um, planet it, it but it but it, it, it like i still felt like it had earthness to it and maybe that's a problem that i have with like space stuff or or stuff like that in general where it's like wow yeah they still drink alcoholic drinks on this you know in the quantum realm um you know they still they still build houses and stuff like that you know like it just it doesn't it didn't feel alien enough for me it didn't feel other enough for me um and i think that was hampered also by the fact that and it's a funny bit and they had to do it, but you know the primary characters all drink a drink that allows them to understand the language of everyone else that's there, and so it makes it feel very oh, it's earthy. I'd argue this is more alien than the actual the, the analog in the in the comics with the microverse. The microverse, microverse is yeah. just essentially outer space. Um, like this is even a little more different. I I, I like the designs of like. There's like these giant amoeba type, you know, uh, flying animals. I don't know. So it's like leaning into like what Earth, what something would be microscopic on Earth uh, at writ large. You know what I mean? So uh, I can understand where it's earthy in that sense. Um, It's essentially making what we understand as the smallest thing that we can perceive, um, which is still, you know, tethered to our reality on Earth and just making it big. Right. Those bits too felt very uh, Avatar. Like it felt, it felt a bit like an an answer to Avatar two. Well, Avatar's good though. Well, listen, I'm not gonna. This isn't that podcast, and I will <laughs> not stand for it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the 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 primary characters, you know, for the first, I don't know, half of the movie are fighting this this battle they're free they become freedom fighters essentially uh in the quantum realm um because they sort of have to they're they're put in a situation where they're just thrust into this battle um and the rebels are warring against kang's armies and we learn that michelle pfeiffer's character of course janet uh helped kang in a way and she regrets it and she spent the rest of her time in the quantum realm fighting against it she met 
Bill Murray's character, uh, Lord Krylar there, who uh, was all right. I mean, good paycheck for him, I hope. Fucking Bill Murray. He's whatever. I'm so tired of this. God. <laughs> they, they, they get these people and they focus on them. They did the same thing with William Jackson Harper, Harper oh, uh, yeah. the, te- the telepath guy. And it's a waste of him. He should be Reed, Reed Richards. You know, fucking... They they focus on it. Oh look, we got Bill Murray. Could you tell me his character's name? Not Bill no. Murray, uh, William Jackson Harper. Yeah, exactly. Click or some shit. Was <laughs> I was close. Yeah. Um, I I actually really liked all the uh, freedom freedom fighters that were, like speaking characters. Uh, I really like um, Gentora, the the badass, uh, the badass woman who was kind of like the leader. She was cool. Essentially, these characters. Sorry, they're essentially what the closest to the Micronauts that we'll get. Oh, I'm not familiar with the Micronauts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mostly because of copyright issues, but yeah, yeah. Um, not that they were all given that much to do, but I think that they played the role that they were supposed to play in the story pretty well. Um, they were comic relief. They were our way into this world. Um, and they were the characters who personified the struggle against Kang. Um, so I enjoyed that. I the, guess, yeah, go the ahead. Guy, the guys with the, the spotlight heads were probably my favorite design. They were Yo, cool. Yeah. yeah, they were the most alien looking in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. It was so <laughs> strange to me that these characters are human, but they don't really know that or, or associate yeah. with humanity. And I was yeah. sorry. They're humanoid, but yeah, it's, it's an issue with sci-fi in general. I think. But were they not human? No. Bill Bill Murray's character says uh, he's human enough, right? In the ways that matter, or something something like that. Talking about yeah. his penis, yeah. Two dicks, yeah. Oh, like a, like a Klingon. <laughs> well, like Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah, like an issue, though. Like like, like like Star Wars. Like they're not technically human either yeah like they they are humanoid and they are from planets but like that word doesn't exist it's it's a sci-fi issue you know yeah it's also like how yeah. do you do a sci-fi movie where there are no humans to uh, have your your audience kind of connect with them it's 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 just an issue yeah and that's that's probably a nitpick on my part but that does bother me and it did bother me here um but I think the movie gets points for, as Tyler said, there are other like crazy things going on. And I really loved the buildings that that uh, were sentient. That was yeah, that was cool. That was amazing. I thought that was awesome. That felt Kirby-esque in a way. Yeah, yeah. that that did. That did strike that that proper chord. Um, so I want to talk about Ant-Man because Ant-Man, I think, has low key become a lot of people's favorite of the uh, Marvel heroes. Maybe not so much from his solo films, but I think a lot of his appearances elsewhere have really generated a lot of goodwill for the character. His, you know, role in Endgame being what it was. Um, people really mess with with Scott Lang right now, uh, and so using him to introduce Kang, using him as the vehicle for, of course, Cassie Lang's ascendance into um, a hero. I think it's okay, but 
I guess I thought it was weird that it didn't feel so much to me like Scott had an arc. Um, he wants to, you know, do right by his daughter yeah. and 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 sort of and be a father, you know, be a good dad. Um, and then that's all he does. Yeah, I think I, I have to imagine the perceived arc is he sort of yells at Cassie in the beginning about being arrested because she was part of a, a a homeless encampment uh protest right um and in the quantum realm i was called it the microverse he gets involved he gets involved because of her and right. it's entirely selfish but eventually you know i think he sort of comes to realize it's kind of it's it, very understated at best i i think the arc they're trying to tell is him actually just deciding to be a hero in the previous two ant-man movies um he was tasked with becoming ant-man because uh hank kind of made him and then the second one uh mostly because janet was getting him to like janet was you know pushing him towards towards that um the one time he actually does choose to be a hero is in civil war and he gets arrested for it. So like he it's never really worked out for him that, that he has had to make that call himself. Um, and that's what Cassie kind of tells him here. You know, like, yeah, sure. He might have saved the universe because he's the one that, you know, um, helps discover time travel. Um, but again, he kind of fell into that, you know. Mm. Um, so I think the arc is like, oh, let's 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 have Scott finally choose to be the hero that he is. This feels like the end of his arc. My problem with that, I'm not disagreeing with that, with what your assessment. My problem with it is that what else was he going to do? <laughs> That's, yeah, I agree. It, he didn't have, he, he had to save his daughter. And then he decided to fight Kang. Like he decided to help against Thanos and help against this one. And like he, he, he did what he does. And so I didn't find there to be growth. Um, but that's not the worst thing in the world. In fact, I was totally fine with where Scott was going until the end of the movie. But we'll get to that. Overall, I think this is yet another of the Marvel films that doesn't serve the main character that well. And, I think, yeah. I'd argue like Paul Rudd is phoning it in in this one. Like he doesn't really get to flex what made Ant-Man good. And that's being funny, being kind of a goof, kind of kind of an idiot. Um, I don't think there's a ton of that in this movie. I don't think there's there a lot of opportunity yeah. for that. There isn't, and that's why I don't think it's an Ant-Man movie. You know, this is an MCU movie that just happens to feature Ant-Man. I think it's a Kang movie. Yeah. For better yeah. or for worse. Yeah. And, and honestly, we'll get into it once we talk about plot, because that is my main issue with this movie that made me dislike it, is that, specifically. Can we uh, can we talk about my favorite character in the whole movie real fast? Michael Michelle Douglas? Feinstein. Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Michael Douglas is one of my favorite actors. I really love him. The game is a top five favorite oh. movie for me. Oh, amazing! Man, when I got that twisted at the end of the game, I was blown away. Yeah, so that destroyed can, my brain. If you, you guys are do that, if you guys are listening or watching this, you just lost the game too. So, <laughs> um, wow. Uh, Deep cut. <laughs> so, so 
And so I chose to watch this movie as if Michael Douglas, who is technically playing Hank Pym, was just himself. And he was just along for this crazy ride. And I think that's how Michael Douglas acted in this movie. Yeah, yeah. The Hank Pym character is just Michael Douglas. And I love that. I adore that. He is such a fish out of water. For some reason, Michelle Pfeiffer kind of like, maybe it's just because of how good she is. Um, she just feels like she belongs here. She's asserted herself to belong here. You know, when she's talking about the freedom fighter stuff, when she's beating ass, I buy into all of it. But Michael Douglas is there and he's walking slow and he's, you know, <laughs> complaining and he's like, what is going on? He doesn't understand any of this. And I loved his character. I popped for everything he got to do when he had to figure out how to fly the weird thing. Uh, uh, the, 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 the fisting craft. controls that he had to do. Yeah, that was phenomenal. And when he shows up at the end with those ants, that was my favorite part of the movie. With the what, Sean? With the ants. Ants. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And I felt like, yo, Hank Pym gets no play in the MCU. And Hank Pym is one of my favorite Avengers. So the fact that he actually got to do some cool stuff in this movie, I was really happy with. It, it does sort of feel like Michael Douglas just stumbled upon set and they let him stay there. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I have to. Yeah, I was I was talking about this um, with Jess and I was like, I wonder what he thinks about like all this green screen acting, <laughs> you know, like you remember Ian McKellen, you know, had a, an emotional breakdown because he was acting at a tennis ball. Right. But I have to imagine that like Michael Douglas is like, yeah, fuck, I'm I'm a million years old. Yeah. I don't care. Michael Douglas said that his condition for coming back for an additional movie is if they kill him. Like if they kill him. After this? Yeah. Right? Hank Pym, why not? I thought they were going to kill him in this one. I thought he was going to be like, uh, oh, I'm working on this thing called Ultron that I found. You know, but, you know, that's. I wish. I, I think, I yeah, I think, like, they've taken the bite out of Hank Pym. Yeah, yeah, like in the comics, everything I mean, is Hank Pym's fault. If you're Janet, that's a good thing. Listen, <laughs> I look. I'm not advocating, but like, <laughs> we could. That's a, a, a tinge of that kind of darkness we could use. J just a tinge. Everybody Hank, hates Hank. Yeah. Remember what you guys did to him in Justified. the uh, the comics rumble we did. Everybody hates Hank. But look at Hank without that dark side. He's nothingness. He's a funny old man that made a cool suit. Yeah. Or several cool suits. I kind of like that version of Hank, though. You know, like I do too. Yeah. I'm not saying so, yeah. But like when you give everything everything negative about Hank Pym, when you give that to Robert Downey Jr. the way they did, like, what do you have? Ant Man. Ants. Ants. <laughs> so yeah, loved Hank Pym a lot. My favorite character in this movie. Uh, let's talk about Kang, the man of the hour. Wait, I, I like how we're skipping Evangeline Lilly because she has nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah. Um, she's she's kind of like the resident badass um, in the sense that whenever she's there, she's the one who's going to you know beat everybody up. She's going to use the blasters, um, and that's all cool. And I appreciate that. But from a character standpoint, 
they just don't know what to do with the wasp. Dude, her whole arc is fighting stance. Like that she does it multiple times in the movie. She has no arc at all in this movie. Right. None whatsoever. She is here. Like she's it's Ant-Man and the Wasp, yet she gets nothing in this. Yeah, it's weird that her parents got more to do than she did. Even in, in like like the opening where like she she took over, you know, Pym Industries is now Pym Van Dyne Industries and you know they even like hint at like her being really into fashion, which I was like, "All right, yeah, this is like this is like wasp stuff. Finally. I enjoy that." Um but even it's not it's it's during a montage. It's not even during a speaking line. Like Yeah. Oh, she, she her probably her script probably was on 3 pages. Like worth a script. You probably could have condensed it to that. There's just not enough space in this movie. And someone had to get the short end, and I don't wish it was her, but I don't know who else it could have been. Yeah. Well, and I think I think Ant Man and the Wasp had so much development for her. Fair. You know, she finally got the suit, finally got her chance to prove herself. Yeah. So we don't need any I more think, of her. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think this one was really Cassie's. Yeah. yeah. I, herself time. I would say I would go so far as to say Evangeline Lilly was a little lost in this movie. I like it. Well, that's because she's a uh, vaccine denier. She's anti-vax. Oh yeah, so. well, I was. Making can we a, talk? A can we talk about Kang now? Do we have to? Of course, we have to. What do you right. mean, Kang? Kang is <laughs> the uh, Kang is the character that, regardless of whether you like the movie or not. The one thing I've been seeing across the board is praise for Jonathan Majors sure. and his performance as Kang. Fucking phenomenal. Truly. Yeah. He's putting he is acting. He's put he put his whole pussy into this. Like he his is like, like everyone else is kind of like, oh, I'm in a comic book movie, like Michael Douglas, Paul Rudd. He's like, no, I'm an actor. You know? This is fucking Shakespeare to Jonathan Majors. Yep. Yeah. And it, I mean Someone in the Discord said he chews every every scene up and spits it out one thousand percent. They they wasted him on this film. <laughs> I think that um, obviously they needed to spend a lot of time with Kang and and and, and teach us about him. Um, the way it starts is that you know he arrives in the quantum realm and he tells uh janet that he's just like a lost traveler or whatever and um you know we later learn after she helps him out that's total bullshit she touches his his uh his spacecraft and she sees is that what his, they're calling his, it these past days? <laughs> i'm sure she would love to touch his spacecraft again um, she sees his past she sees you know the atrocities that he's committed she sees you know kang the conqueror and she's horrified and she doesn't want to help him anymore. And she ruins, you know, his getaway plan. Um, I really, really liked all that. I like the idea that, you know, he's like, hey, I won't hurt you. I will not hurt you. I won't hurt your world. I'm not interested in that. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm exiled. You know, he was exiled by the other Kangs for being too destructive, if you can believe that. Um, and so he wants back in the game and he wants to raise hell, but she can't let him go. And she has to make a choice and she chooses 
to put her life at risk. And she chooses to not see her daughter, not see her husband and have to be with Bill Murray in order to stop Kang from killing and destroying worlds and universes that she'll never see. That's heroic. But like, there's a lot of flashbacks in this, but we get no flashbacks to that actual conflict. <laughs> to the war? Yeah. Yeah, because we see it. We see the, see the fallout of it and the results of it, but we don't actually see it. Is the thing? No, we're seeing we're seeing it in action. Well, we, the, don't, the, we don't see her freedom fighter. St- you know, it's time. You know, she's well, she's a freedom fighter right now. Is she? Yes, that was the. That's what they did. They fought for the freedom. They fought for for you know for for uh, for Cassie, and they fought to stop Kang. Why would you flash back to something that we're about to to watch? I mean, I, I mean, uh, I don't think they needed any more flashbacks, but I just thought the the <laughs> amount of flashbacks that the flashbacks they chose were were interesting. Well, what did we see? We had we had to see. I think we had to see some of Kang, sure, being you know monstrous, because if if we don't get that, then we don't buy. How do you even how do you even set up that Janet has to stop him from leaving? Even if he were to say something bad, what does that do? Why, why would she think that he's so horrible that she has to stop him from leaving to her own denigration? You know, like they had to show us. She had to see it. Other than that, what flashbacks were so egregious? Oh, I don't think they're were, they were egregious. There's, there was a lot. That's all. You know, like, like yeah, that's all. Yeah. There's really much, yeah. much more to say about that. Fair enough. Um, I yeah, I can I can sort of see that argument of like it would have been cool to see her in the trenches with the you know the rebellion army for a second, you know, hoisting the flag or whatever. Um, because they kind of they they sort of dance around it. Like you're right, they show it. That's clearly what she's there doing, but it's very uh, she she stays very much on the outskirts of it and her point of view is we have to stay away from kang until we can't right. and then it's we have to take kang down by ourselves right yeah um i i don't know i i thought i thought that i i, I won't say that it's not uh, a little bit uh gears turny for lack of a better phrase, because they had to do certain things to get the story where they wanted it to be. Um, And so, like I said, they had to show that flashback of Kang being bad to get Janet to the point where she's like, oh my God, I got to stop this guy. He had to land right next to her so that that could all start to begin with. There, there are certain things that, you know, uh, that, that feel a little bit forced, but by and large, I felt that, the, the the Kang stuff was all very good uh, until the end. Uh, but I, I thought it was all very good for the most part. The I like yeah. the fact that there's an aspect, at least for me, where I wasn't sure if he was lying or not. Anytime he opened his mouth. Sure. Um, because of the, the nuance of Jonathan Major's performance. He wasn't playing it straight. There was 
emotions and there were things going on. Is this a guy that just really wants to, you know, get back to his business, you know, or is this a guy that wants to conquer all of time and all of reality? Is he going to kill Cassie if, if, if Scott helps him or is he an honest man? We didn't know until we knew. And I appreciated that. I think it's also the nature of Kang as well. It's like, you don't know which Kang you're dealing with, you know, which the movie, movie kind of, and Loki sets up, you know, a bit as to like, all right, we don't really know which Kang we are. I mean, I have a pretty good idea which Kang this is, but. um, Well, this is Kang the Conqueror. That's, that's kind of how they labeled him. Sure. But there's also, I think, a twist that we're seeing that is pretty easily telegraphed here. Do tell. I think he's the, the he's the same Kang from Loki. There, there, there is a bit here where Kang is looking at his his hand and he sees this perfect circle, which, in my mind, is the prime timeline that the 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 the, the he who remains is that the what is it called? Yeah. Um, was he made? And he talked about like, oh, he was the one that kind of stopped the the war of Kangs. What is this Kang trying to do? Stop the war of Kangs, really? Um, I think this is like a thing where like time is always going to bring you to the same point. And he knows where the end is and the end already happened. And we're just going in a loop. I hate this loop bullshit with time travel. It's time is a flat circle, the movie. Ooh. Wow. Uh, that's, that's something I, I didn't think about. So I'd have to wrap my head around that. Um, and we can chew on that a little bit yeah, yeah. more later because there's, there's the end, obviously yeah. you know stuff. Um, yeah, I think from a from an acting standpoint, I guess from a character standpoint, I think Kang is on the cusp of being, if not already, at the Thanos level. Um, I thought Thanos was a a a, a, a very good character as well. Yeah. Um, and I like where they're taking Kang as far as that goes, at least in this particular movie, the way that Jonathan Majors played the character. What's to come, we can't say because <laughs> all the Kangs are different. So yeah. we just don't know. And also, I think uh, Thanos was, and it's funny saying this, much more straightforward. <laughs> yeah. I like how the idea of the Infinity Stones, it's much more straightforward. Um, but it, it's less to have to work with with Thanos. So I think that by default, just makes him easier to chew on. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even say he's one note. I think, I think I would honestly say Thanos, MCU Thanos is a little more nuanced than comic Thanos. 100%. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we, we, you know, there's, there's a lot of fighting, a ton of action, um, throughout, you know, we get the, the, the scene of the rebellion being attacked because of, uh, you know, the presence of our heroes and stuff like that. I thought, by and large, the action in this movie, I, I really enjoyed. I think the action, and we, we could talk about one of the characters we didn't mention, was uh, Corey Stolbeck as, as MODOK. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the action is fine, you know? Uh, the, for a, 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 a 99% CG movie. Um, it's fine, you know? It's, 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 it's very Star Wars-y. I think there's a lot of Star Wars I got from this movie. Yeah. Um, Scene chewing a villain, you know, everyday hero, space battle, even though it's not in space. Um, yeah, it's fine there. Yeah. I was, I was hanging on every moment 
um, from an action standpoint. I thought that they did a good job of including funny into the action as well. Um, I, I'm not always a big fan of that stuff. I thought it was way overdone in Thor Love and Thunder and didn't land. Here, I think that um, Paul Rudd is obviously a nat- naturally uh, funny person. And I thought that his interplay with Cassie was pretty good. I like the part where um, he's telling her how to do his his signature move. You know, the get small, get big punch. Um, Jump and tap. Yeah. It's a, and she's it, like trying left, to figure out down. how to do it. It's like a like a Shoryuken. I feel like yeah. it's like a forward down combo. forward punch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that was good. And the callback to that, of course, later when Cassie finally figures out how to do it right. Um, I don't know. I got into all that. Uh, can I just talk about like, because I don't know where to where to talk about it. I guess I'll just bring it up now. Uh, my, my issue with this is. And I think it's similar to Lord, Door, Love and Thunder. I don't know this movie knew what it wanted to be. Um, I feel like it is two different movies. It is an MCU big space movie with Kang the Conqueror and it's also trying to be an Ant-Man movie and those things are different. They don't they don't match. Um I think the fact and, and this is this is what I was afraid of as soon as they announced, oh, the new Ant-Man movie is going to be a Kang movie. I'm like, those two don't really interact. You know, like why are they why are they paired up? They don't make sense tonally. And it turns out I was right. They don't make sense tonally. <laughs> um the we we were taught to understand what an Ant-Man movie was with the previous two movies. Um, they are smaller, pun intended, um, everyday man, comedy heist movies. And this said, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> we're, we're not doing that at all. We're making this a space epic. Uh, and we're going to introduce this real, real intimidating character that's going to be the next big bad of the MCU going forward for probably until Secret Wars. So through two more Avengers movies, um, through Ant-Man, and it just did not work for me. They're they're. They're fighting each other in this. The, the, the tones of what the, the humor in an Ant-Man movie that doesn't even really get to do it in this movie versus this giant imposing presence of Kang. And like, man, they don't work. Like, I think it's emblematic in the, in the final fight scene between Kang and Ant-Man. I don't believe that at all. There, there's no way, even that like you put Paul Rudd next to Jonathan Majors, like Kang's shirt is ripped and his bicep is showing. Like that dude is fucking swole like the dead dude's big that dude just finished uh filming creed 3 you know like he's he's in it and like that dude's knocking paul Rudd out in one shot like there, there's no fight there it's not believable um it's just this movie was a little too uh, the plot for this movie was too big for its britches for what an Ant-Man movie is and that, that was my issue with it i just it didn't feel right i just i just don't i just don't agree i don't think that because the prior Ant-Man films were smaller that this one has to be as well. And I think that it's interesting. I was not I was not for Kang being in this movie. I thought that was a really dumb decision uh to blow him off here. Hey, but but the way it worked out, it's like the little man against all odds. And I think that's the story of Ant-Man. And I found a lot to like in that. And I think that, you know, if you didn't like the movie, it, um, that makes sense. But I don't think that inherently you can't do this story. I don't like I don't think that be just because the other Kang or the, <laughs> the other Ant-Man movies were different than this, then that that this one has to fall in line. I'm not saying that you can't do the story. I just think they didn't do it. 
you know, <laughs> like I'm sure the story exists somewhere. And, and like Jeff, Jeff Loveness is the writer of this one who is uh, a Rick and Morty guy and boy, does it show. Um, uh, it, yeah, it's, I just don't think it landed for what it was trying to do for me. I think, yeah, I think I'm with Sean in that the, the gravity and the stakes are compelling. Um, just the, the film's execution yeah. uh, is what really fails the stakes and that gravity. That's fair. That that that's fair. Yeah. If you know if the movie just doesn't work for you, that's reasonable. The the, the movie I, never sells me on the fact that Ant Man is fighting Kang and they are somewhat of a match, or even if like that they're not a match, and Ant Man has to you know come up to that. Um, yeah, I think I I really think uh, having Ant Man pull every scrap of will he has to beat the living shit out of Kang uh, would have been the way to go. Or your other option, your other only option is to have Kang kill Ant-Man with his bare hands. And the fact that that didn't happen wiped any ounce of credibility out. Like, I get get that it's Ant-Man and the Wasp and... I like that Paul Rudd is still alive, but that wiped out any stakes for anything. Yeah, you want me to believe that this guy is Kang the yep. Conqueror, yep. and he got jobbed out by the Wasp? Yep. Pull an Infinity War. It, it make it make it make Kang the guy who kills the heart of the MCU. You know. I thought it was a no brainer that 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 Ant Man would die in this movie. Yeah. I said that I said as much multiple times on the show. Even he's I surprised. He was, <laughs> he was wailing on Paul Rudd. I was like, man, there's no fucking way he's yeah. gonna make it out. And and I felt my myself like, oh my god, I I now that now that I now that we're here, I don't want to see him die. Yeah, but, I did. <laughs> but 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 we needed to see him die. It's not what I wanted. It's what we needed because, I mean, I guess if. I guess if your plan was to kill Kang, which they did, then sure. But only because there's there's there are more Kangs. But that's the problem that I now have with this concept. Um Kang 100% had to kill Ant-Man. Yeah. Because if this is the one that all the other ones were so afraid of that they had to exile him and he got beaten by literally ants by what Sean? By ants. Okay, there we go. Ants. Ants. <laughs> That's now I don't believe in it. Now I don't believe in it. He beat Avengers across the multiverse. Yeah. And but he lost that. to ants. Yep. And references Thor. Yeah. References that he walked all over. Didn't even didn't even care. He's killed so many he didn't even care to remember who was who. Uh, to be fair, I don't think he's dead. I think people will think he's dead. And yeah, he got, he got, I think bullshit. he got shrunk further. You know, he got sucked into something. So. But but the variants say he died. I'm sure they think he died. Or, or what if Kang knew this was going to happen the entire time, orchestrated this, let himself look defeated so that the other Kangs can be off their guard? You got to think like Kang here. I think it'll be... Uh, we can get into the speculation, I guess, but I think it'll be 
he didn't expect to be beaten and now he's survived and he can plan from there sure yeah yeah so he he, he pretty much they think he's dead he could plan from there because now yeah. he's off their radar yeah and at the end he's credits say kang radar. will return you know like i felt yeah. like that was like capital k kang like this is capital k kang like i feel like that meant yeah. he will return yeah he okay. will remain wink that's a pretty interesting theory for sure um the other thing that was frustrating about that um, ending sequence is that when they defeat Kang, Ant-Man and Wasp are simply able to just leave. They just go home. <laughs> when the portal just, closed, fucking, oh. I was like, oh, like, shit, they're stuck. This is insane. I can't be, believe this. That would be compelling. And then it just opened again. And they just, oh. da, 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 da. let's go back. And then the, then the movie goes back to how it started with Paul Rudd just walking in the streets casually. That felt so, so incongruent with what we just saw. It, it was what, like, what, what, yeah. What did what what did this cost? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Nothing. Two hours. Yep. <laughs> uh, it, it's like it's like they they were like, all right, let's go back to doing an Ant Man movie again <laughs> for another five minutes. Yeah, and then we'll be done. But like, he didn't lose anything. He has nope. his daughter back. He, everything's all gravy, the exact same position that he was in at the beginning of the movie. The And so much so that even in his end of film narration, internal monologue, he has a moment of dread, which was really funny, where he's like, wait, oh my God, what if Kang was right? What if they are going to come and this is all going to be over and we're going to die? And he's like, eh, that probably won't happen. It's funny. But yo, wasn't that crazy what just happened to you? <laughs> right. Like, don't you feel anything about that? The, the one character that actually dies is one that we thought was dead already with with Modok. You know, like it, it's really it, it it felt. I mean, this is very comic booky in a way. It's like an arc happened, and then they had to clean put the 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 toys back in the box, get everything ready for the next guy. You know, like oh well, something happened, but nothing really actually happened. Yeah, I just don't think that was the way. And I think they blew it in the end, and it's unfortunate. I think the movie could have been bolder. I hope you're right, sure. Tyler. I hope that um that that uh Kang is that this the, the conqueror Kang is still alive and plotting, because that would sort of redeem the the end, at least as far as them quote unquote killing Kang. Um, I hope that's the case. But if that's not the case, they got off really easy and they made it seem as if what just happened was inconsequential. Um, Because guess what? This Kang being stuck and now dead, what's the difference between dead and stuck to the other Kangs? If they exiled him and that was to get him off the board, why is him being dead now relevant? They could have done whatever they wanted at any time. I always thought like the way they exiled him instead of killing him was just like they couldn't kill him. It just wasn't in their power. So they had to exile him. Like now yeah, that he's no, dead, I, he's like, oh, all right. Well, now we don't have to actually even worry about that anymore. Right, right, right. But like wh what can they do now that they couldn't do before? He was gone this just the same. Sure. Yeah. I don't understand why that mattered to them. And now that he's been defeated, oh, yeah, now's the time to get it. Why? I don't understand. 
So I thought that was a little stupid. And, and weren't um, we led to believe that the other Kangs were the ones helping us from like Kang Prime, you know, taking over everything? And at the end, it's like, no, nah, we're going to take over now. It's like, what, what, who, where are we? Where are we? Well, the whole thing's messed up. Um, let me, let's, let's, let's refer back to that. Cause I, I do want to talk about Modoc. I, 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 okay. That's like how we'll close, but like, let's just talk about Modoc real fast. CGI. <laughs> I love Modoc. I have never, listen, <laughs> I have become a film student. I'm watching horror films as reference. I have enjoyed horror films as a fan for a long time. I've seen a lot of gross stuff. Cronenbergian levels of stuff. I have never (laughs) been so physically repulsed by a creature on a film, on a movie screen. Then when Modok lifted his helmet, and it was that outstretched gob of a head, I every time he came on, I could not help it. I went, "Oh God!" Yeah, same. I, I was couldn't, like, "I couldn't do it." Put the mask every back single on. Time. Put it back on. It wasn't, Kale. and it wasn't a bit either. Like I, <laughs> it was a reflex. Kale, you ever play Mario Party? Yeah. You know the game where you can stretch Mario on Bowser's faces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking of uh, the Doctor Who villain. Moisturize me, Cassandra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Worse than her somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love Modok as a character. I think Modok's great. Mo- Modok is very. Um, you could do a lot with him. A lot of different things with him. He could be comedic relief. He could be actually someone horrifying, like what they're doing in X Men right now. Um, he, he could be a lot. I mean, even like Patton Oswalt has that Hulu show that I don't even know has a second oh, season or whatever. God. Um, so he, he is, he is flexible. I mean, I thought that what they did with him here was fine. It made, it was a good callback to the first movie. Um, it lets Cassie have somewhat of an arc, you know, she mm. helps uh, the thing she was scared of the man in the bumblebee costume when she was a kid, she actually winds up helping at the end, um, and ch- transforming. So that really helped Cassie have a bit of an arc there. Yeah. Um, uh, and it led him to do like some good comedic release stuff. But like when he's spitting up that spittle at the end, like, yo, oh. I thought the CGI was like. I don't know how you do Modoc. I'm not sure they did it correctly here because it was scary. <laughs> I think, it, but I think it was supposed to be. I think sure, it's like sure, yeah, scary, but also kind of funny. Like it's a weird thing. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know how other people felt. My audience was going nuts for Modoc, and I thought Modoc was really funny. The little legs when that when that was brought up, yo, oh my god! And when he's touching, um, when he's touching Scott with his uh, little yeah, hand, no, and he's like, no. "You were always like the brother I never had," or whatever he said. I thought that bit was funny, where he's like, yeah. "At least I died in Avenger." Like I thought that yeah. that was like, "Oh, this this feels like Ant Man again for you know two minutes." Um, but <laughs> he died yeah. in Avenger, dude. Uh, can we talk about the, the lack of a character in this? No, Luis. Sure. Yep. How do you do that? Luis left he's off the card. L- yeah. They brought um, Agent Wu back for a shot, you know, but yeah. they couldn't bring Luis into this for either of the five minutes, the beginning or end, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've spent a, a lot of time talking about the negatives of the movie. Um, that's just the way the conversation has so, sort of gone. Despite all that, I really, 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 really like this movie. I had a lot of fun. Um, I 
thought it looked good for the most part. Um, I, this is the most I've enjoyed an Ant Man movie by far. Um, by far, by far. I thought the other yeah. two were forgettable romps, whereas this one at least has a few performances and character arcs that will stick with me that I'll that I enjoyed a lot. Uh, Hank Pym, um, Cassie, Kang, and um, and Janet. I thought they were all great. And I think when you have an ensemble of, you know, essentially, I guess in this case, five, five characters who are in the spotlight, for four of them to come out looking pretty good, I think that's that's a home run uh, from a from a character standpoint. Um, and the only real misses story wise is just the stuff we pointed out at the end. Kang should not have lost that fight unless there is a larger planet play, as Tyler said. And I do think that Ant-Man and the Wasp should have at the very least been stuck in the quantum realm to be discovered or find a way out down the road. Sean, it's like when, um, uh, when Carrie and Cross came to the main roster and got beat by Jeff Hardy right away. <laughs> immediately shit, yeah. I, I do have one more thing I want to talk about that really, really bugged me. Um, oh, bugged. The, uh, the Schrodinger's scene. Yo, I loved that. That made no fucking, that made no goddamn sense. No, it would it have made more sense to me if there were more different variations of Ant-Man around. Well, even that, like, okay. So he goes in and the idea is that he he becomes, every choice he can make, I guess in this moment, becomes a physical reality. Okay, cool. Uh and they all begin working together as ants. And that becomes how they get up to the core yeah. or whatever the fuck. Okay, fine. Uh, but then Cassie, but then someone, they have the, the, the clone argument. Oh, I'm first. No, I'm first. No, I'm first. Okay. And then Cassie starts talking to them. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden... Our Paul Rudd is the one that's real. He's the one that's the first one. What? Wouldn't they all have the headpiece in? Yeah. Except Ice, yeah, was, except was... Baskin Robbins. Also, why is he it... there? I thought it was every choice you can make in that moment. Why is Baskin Robbins Ant-Man there? Just to be dumb. I ju- like that made utterly no sense to me. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't care much for it. I think I think it was a really cool idea that probably could have been executed better, and I think they leaned more towards funny. Um, I actually thought it was a really there was an opportunity there to show us what what would happen. All right, I looked at that scene and I thought about Kang, and I uh, I was like, okay, yeah, if there were that many variants of me, I'd probably want to kill them too. And I was like, oh, so that's why all the Kangs want to kill each other. Because who hates who hates themselves more than them? Who hates you more than you? And so I thought, okay, these Ant-Mans are going to fight. Tyler's ex-wife. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. All right, time to go. Okay, see you, bye. I saw that look. <laughs> um, and so I thought, okay, these Ant-Man, these Ant-Men are going to fight each other because, you know, they're so hateable. Um. And then that didn't happen. And then they teamed up and it was fine. And I was like, oh, there was more meat on this bone than they left a lot. They left a lot on the table. 
That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And 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 I like your interpretation too. I like I like the concept of the ant thing. I like in theory the how that played too. out. Yeah. Yeah. But the way they executed it with all of a sudden our Paul Rudd is the one when they've clearly established that they're fighting and they don't know who's real. And and then it's all thrown away too once the wasp shows up, who like that didn't bother her at all. She was able to get right past that. Yeah. And then as soon as they touch hands, like, oh, all probabilities are gone. Yeah. There's sure. a degree of that that makes sense in in like the flash constant thing, you know. Iris is Barry's lightning sure, rod okay, or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. they always know, you know. Maybe uh, if Wasp but, had an arc in this movie, I'd I'd believe that. But <laughs> well, listen. And I don't even think they're that in love. Even right? but even to that <laughs> even to that point though, if the argument of who was real had consisted until Wasp came and she identified the real one right away, and that stopped the problem, that would make more sense because it's like, well, she is so connected to him yeah. that yeah. that's what would happen. But it was already like pretty clear. It would have even been fine if they kept us in the in, you know, unaware of which one was real. Um, yeah. but they just they went the most generic way they could have for a concept that could have been a lot more interesting. I do agree. I don't even think it was generic. I think it was wrong. I think they flat did that wrong. Like because they established this fact that these each one knows, uh, you know, that they're the one. All of a, again, Correct. all of a sudden we hear Cassie's voice and it's ours. Right. What if that's not right? Kale, you bring up a good point too. It's like I don't you, you don't believe they're actually in, in love. Um there's that one part where you know, Scott, right after that scene where Scott's like, you know, I love you. I hope I didn't feel that. I felt like a lie. I was like bullshit. I, these two always feel like like good fuck buddies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, these guys never really feel like they're ever, you know, these guys are going to get married and live a happy life together. You know, it just seems like they're really good friends who like screw. You know what I mean? Like. I don't buy the the romance really that that's you're you're right and i agree i think that's a an mcu problem where i don't i can't think of any yeah, need to see them fuck romance yeah. that i actually don't want to see that based on what happened in internals i'll pass <laughs> um as much see as i love I, evangeline Lilly, see if uh, axel alonzo whoever has the uh the porno or whatever oh axel braun yeah whoa mm -hmm. axel braun is the is axel the... alonzo does not have that <laughs> I've been wondering why I can't get the search results I want. I mean, <laughs> get your axes well, mixed up. Let Let's talk about the end. We, you know, we 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 kind of left uh, on the table. You know, the 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 Kang of it all at the end. And so there are actually two after credit scenes, which is standard for Marvel. Uh, the first one shows us that, uh, of course, there ain't just one Kang. There's a lot of them. There is a many of them, and uh, they show us, and 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 this was sick. This was so sick. They show us Immortus. Yep. They show us Ramatut. They show us Scarlet Centurion. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I would assume it's Scarlet Centurion because that's the only other third one. But like, he's not red in this, you know. Yeah, because because they're not going to make Jonathan Majors red. They're not going to take a black guy and make him. No, no, no. Guy. Scarlet Centurion wears red armor. That's the thing. Oh yeah, but they yeah. want to. You know, they, they, I think they they want to show. Sure, but the armor he's wearing is like blue. That's all I'm saying. Like you could have right. what he's wearing. Like maybe it's not, but it's it's whatever. Well, 
whoever it is. Sure. Be that as it may. Um, we do see these three variants that that feel like they're supposed to be um the big three, yeah. The the leadership. Council of Kings. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so real that the last sequence, the last shot of that credit scene where we're seeing all the Kangs sitting at the council, that's literally ripped right out of the comics. Yep. Even it's with almost the one to one. Reptilian one, right, right in the camera too. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that was awesome. I love that. But this end credit scene did not make me feel good once they started talking about what they were going to do. Because this is not consistent with what we were told in Loki. Correct me if I'm wrong. In Loki, we are told that the Kangs are at war with each other. Yeah. And that the He Who Remains had to close off the connection to the multiverse between multiverses because the Kangs wouldn't stop killing each other and destroying universes as a result, which is what we know from Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, as incursions. That's what's been happening. Mm. It, it, it seems like they want to work together to create incursions, right? Is that what I'm getting? Uh, it seems like they want to work together to take over. Yeah. Just in general. Which, which I think kind of helps my theory that Prime Kang is he who reigns. Because he's the one that controls everything and gets everything to that main. Like, I don't, this fucking wibbly wobbly timey wimey shit right now. I, I sort of read that scene, their whole thing as it's all uh, thin. They all have a very, you know, it's like it's like Batman's rogues you know yeah the joker and the riddler and two-face yeah they'll work together uh when they need to but you know you take batman out of that equation and it's done i think that scene needed more because what is the time frame from when they banished kang the conqueror to that because i really need to know and this will influence the quality of this story overall, what have they been doing? That's what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. If if eliminating this version of Kang freed them up to do what they want, and that's why they had to exile him, then what are they doing? They're just chilling? Or I wonder if it like the he who remains dying was what oh like released these guys or whatever. You know? Yeah. And maybe Allow- like yeah. because they were, you know, stuck in whatever pocket that he remains put them in. You know where they were warring previously. Like now they're like, oh no, no, we we had time together. We can, you know, figure out a plan together this time. But they wouldn't have had time together because they would have been in their respective universes. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So they don't hate each other anymore. It's just chilling it, now. It is counter to what they've already established. Yeah. I'm having a real problem with this, and so I hope that they have a plan. Now the second post credit scene hated it. Sorry, I have to get it out there. <laughs> Shows us another variant of Kang, Victor Timely. And he's giving a lesson on time to none other than Loki and uh, wow, that guy. Yeah. Morpheus? Morpheus and Morpheus, something like that. Mobius, Mobius. Mobius, yeah. Is it Mobius? It's, it's not Matrix some, and it's not the vampire. Got it. Um, 
there wasn't enough there for us to really be able to make anything of it. It felt more like a tease for Loki season two. But they're yeah. in the past. And so I can't read much into that, but I had a lot of issues with this this final end credits. Um okay. just from the fact that like this was literally like an out of context clip from Loki season two that that felt like more like, I don't know, Tom Hiddleston was on a late night show and he had to show a clip. You know, that's what it felt like. Um, there was a guy in my theater who I literally, who literally said, ah, shit, now I got to watch Loki. Like (laughs) this is, this is where it's like, oh, you, did you do your homework sort of thing? Um, it it felt like the, the kid in class who tells the teacher to hand in the, the, oh, you didn't, you didn't collect the homework. You know, it's like that guy again. Like I, I had trouble with this. You know, I, I was a big proponent of like, oh yeah, these Disney plus shows are great. They're real fun. It's cool that it connects together. But like this was like this kind of pushed me over the edge where I'm like, nah, there's too much. There's and, and I've watched it all. You know, I've watched it all. I'm, I have no problem watching it. But the fact that like, like you're gonna make somebody watch a second a second season of a show they may they probably didn't see the first season of, and that's your that's your stinger at the end. Like what are you, what are you doing? You know, um, yeah. This this honestly kind of kind of peeved me off there. I'm a little cheesed off by the end of this. I think uh I think they they have to figure out how they're going to handle Kang going forward because if a part of his story is taking place on the shows but obviously you can't force anyone to have watched them that's kind of weird like those of us who watched Loki have already seen Kang yeah yeah that's weird they definitely could have done that scene without Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson and then we could see it again right in Loki oh that's a good point and that would have been a lot better because we've just gone through yeah all of this with Jonathan Majors and Kang like the second we see his face we go oh shit and then we see Tom Hiddleston like yeah I think they want that pop that makes the problem this is a clip from Loki season two. Like we're seeing, we're going to see what happens here. Um, but it also, it, it, it just feels like, and also like a waste of a second credit scene. Like, Oh, you're not filming anything new. Like this is just, you're going to use something that we're going to see later. You know? Um, I guess it'll have context then. Sure. But I want context now when I'm watching something, you know, we don't even know when Loki season two is coming out like this year. So yeah. ugh, it annoyed me, honestly. And I loved Loki season one. It's actually not the first time that Marvel's done that, though. No, uh, they did it with. Um, they did it with Captain America and uh, well, with Winter Soldier. Um, at the what what movie was that at the end of where his arm is stuck, and I think. Um, damn, I don't remember the. I don't remember the, the context. Sorry. Was it Ant Man? I it think it was Ant Man. It might have been. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Ant Man because at the end of it. You know, part part of that whole first bit was him going to uh, fight the Falcon. Oh, and yeah, then you're right. At the end, you know, the Falcon goes, oh, I know a guy. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Yep. Yeah. So it was Ant-Man. Yeah. That so, was the last one before Civil War. Yeah. So I don't know. That didn't that didn't hit me too hard. But I guess the difference is that it is a TV show. Um, yeah. But I, I think that's I think it's fair play. But we'll see how long it remains that way. Because it's really up to the audiences whether it's fair play or not. 
I don't think it's out of bounds, but do people accept it? That'll be told in time. I Yeah, I think you're right. It is fair play, but I think it takes the power out of it when it's just an ad for the next thing. It, it felt know, like an you, ad to me. Yep. Yeah. If you show, if you, again, like if you show that scene without Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, and then the next time you see that is in Loki, you're trusting the audience to make those connections and get us involved. But when you just put that stuff in there, you're just, you're, you're not even holding their hand. You're picking them up and carrying them over to the connection. Like it's. Well, that aside, uh, let's give our, let's give our, um, our scores. If you guys are so inclined at a 10. Yeah. Five. Okay. Right in the middle. Three. Oh, I hated this. This is. If. Like the only reason I can say uh, this might be better than Thor: The Dark World is because I haven't seen Thor: The Dark World in a long time. I, <laughs> I thought this was bad. I thought this was worse. Oh, worse than Thor: Love and Thunder. Wait, 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 wait. But, but, but you, but, but Kang, you enjoyed that. Kang is one person. One yeah. person can't carry a movie. As did, tremendous as Michelle Pfeiffer's shoulders are, she cannot carry a whole movie. She damn. cannot. She's just a a very, very sexy old lady. She can't do it, Sean. I, right. I I I liken this to like, I don't know, if you had a plate of nachos and you know, like and the cheese and was so good. Shit CGI but everything else was bad. Yeah. Uh, it's like the, the the cheese ain't gonna ain't gonna carry me to a good plate of nachos. You know, if you got bad chips, if you got you know, uh, shitty beans, you know, it's it's not going to be good nachos. Like, I, I agree, Jeez. like, Kang is good in this. He just doesn't belong here. This is like if you put really good asparagus, like really good cooked aspar- asparagus, and you put it on nachos. You know, like, what are, you, what are these doing here? This is good, but, like, I don't want this in my Tyler's nachos. Tyler's hungry, guys. That's all that's happening now. Am I? Yeah, I ate everything already. Um, right. <laughs> I give it an eight. Whoa. I, yep. I, I had a really, really, <sighs> really good time with this. I thought it was a lot of fun. This review is going to drive the chat wild. Sean, thank you, though. Since, since Marco's not here, at least somebody else has the the the, the wild opinion. <laughs> I don't think it's wild, man. 84% of the audience. Audience score doesn't eight, mean shit. Yeah, it does. It does not mean shit. No, it's, it so, it's so easily manipulated. It doesn't Whatever. mean Whatever. Other people's opinions, Tyler, happen to mean something. And my opinion is that it was a good movie. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Yeah, no. <laughs> other, I'm going to say this outright. Other people's opinions do not matter. I think the people who go to school or maybe who take it for a living matter more. That's that's stupid. That's that's dumb as hell. Media is not is not gatekept by people who went to school. There are plenty of people who went to school that suck and don't know what they're talking about. Sure, but there are people who can you know have verified Rotten Tomato reviews or didn't go to school for it. You know, I, I can trust their opinions more on it. Um, I'm going to gatekeep keep this. One. <laughs> that's dumb as hell. That's that's like a pro. That's one of the reasons why film and television are in the place that they're in because of that type of opinion. Like there's no there like people are allowed to like what they like and like sure that's that's like maybe maybe this discussion should be a palin around. <laughs> <laughs> I think people can like what they like, but I don't I don't want to see it. Like I don't want to like I'll go to your letterbox for that. If I want, you know, the every man's review, I'll go to letterbox. Audience review doesn't mean shit to me, honestly. 
Well, Tyler doesn't care about you, listener, but I do. Thank you for uh, I care about the listener. Clear. I don't I care about the listener. I uh, I appreciate you guys listening. Make sure that you head on over to our Patreon to check out the rest of what we've got going on. Patreon.com slash the comics pals, where for as little as three dollars a month, you can support more things like this. And uh, you get our exclusive show palling around and a lot of other cool stuff. So head on over there and give it a look. Watch our regular shows live every single week, twice a week, Saturdays at 10, 15 a.m. for the main show, 6 p.m. on Thursdays for Pals Pulls. That is our show. We review comics for everything else at the Comics Pals. We'll see you on the next review. Take care, guys. The next film. Which is Shazam. Oh, boy. Oh, fuck. (laughs) See you then.